0: What's going on guys, this is the True Pursuit Podcast. We are three guys, Ravi, Rishi and Mitz. Highlight incredible immigrant success stories from across the world. This is our episode three. What's going on Mitz?
1: What up guys? Episode three, loving it at the moment. Listeners, please follow us on the socials, Instagram, The True Pursuit, Facebook and Twitter, The True Pursuit Podcast.
0: So today, we're gonna to be talking about a very interesting guy. Somebody who had no running water when he was growing up, but now, just sold a multi-billion dollar company and the company has over two billion users. He sold this company and wrote the paperwork on the front of a welfare office. So stay tuned to find out more.
1: This guy is absolutely incredible. So let me let me just run you through his his early life. So we talk about, you know, maybe with Elon Musk, you know, he actually wasn't, it wasn't that much of a hard dip, you know, model mother, this that and the other on episode two. So bring it to episode three the guy that we're talking about Jan Ku, the founder of whatsapp and i'm sure most of the listeners here you know use whatsapp on a daily basis so Kuhn was born and raised just outside of kiev in the ukraine Mum was a housewife uh, dad was a construction worker who built schools and hospitals um the house that they lived in had no running hot water and they were in such a state of um i guess you know Scared of of the the state that they the parents would never even talk on the phone just in case the the phone lines were tapped. So you know there was a um, common phrase that he once used to say. You know he thought that the walls had ears because they were just way too scared to to to, converse, to have a conversation just in case they didn't know who was listening to them. Um, yeah, very very humble upbringings um, and you know very very difficult times. Uh, when when he was growing up, even even when they moved to the U.S. So at 16, he moved to the U.S. Uh, moved to the U.S. Sorry, uh, California, Mountain View, California, and lived in a two-bedroom apartment with government assistance. So he moved with his mum and his grandfather. Uh, his dad was supposed to join join them out there in the U.S., but unfortunately didn't make it across. Uh, he passed away. Um, and when they were moving, when they were moving across. You know, they were very, uh, they, they thought ahead and they were like, you know, we're not going to be able to afford the schooling or the, or the stationery that we need. So they packed suitcases full of pens. So basically, the Soviet Union allowed them to get notebooks for free. And they basically put them all in a suitcase and brought them all to the U.S. To, that's, that's how uh, thrifty they had to be to save their money. In the U.S., his mom was a babysitter um, and Coombs swept the floor in the grocery store, uh, you know, just to make ends meet, basically. And to make things worse, his mum then got cancer and lived off disability allowance um, and, then, or, and then, you know, passed away as well. So he, then he started to become alone in the world. Um, when he was 18, started going to school, uh, apparently he was a bit of a troublemaker, uh, but he taught himself computer networking uh, by purchasing manuals from a used bookstore and then returning them once he was done just to get that money back. So really, really tough childhood and, uh, you know, basically kept and saved as many pennies as he could.
2: Right. Yeah. And and a good point. And I want to add to to the uh, one of your previous points where you touched upon uh, wars have ears. So he had um, he had a concern, uh, you know, um, when developing WhatsApp and we start to understand more uh, as we go through his story that, you know, he wanted to make sure that um, the users maintain their privacy. As as they communicate through the WhatsApp application, so I think that's, uh, that's something we'll we'll delve a bit more uh, into into in this podcast.
0: Yeah, and I think there's a, a really interesting theme here with with Yan Koom here, and that so it's important to call out the context, right? 1976 was when he was born in in Ukraine. It was a very difficult time back then um, with the political situation as well as the anti-Semitic um, situation as well and um, he had a very difficult childhood. And when he, come, when he came to the US, it wasn't far easier. Um, but when you go through his, his story, you kind of see this knowing, no excuse mentality where he's always just trying to figure out the way of how to get through a situation. So if you fast forward, he taught himself computing, right? That in itself is incredible. Um, but he also, it looked like he joined a, ha- a hacker group um, called Woo. Woo. I don't even know if that's the right way to pronounce it, it could be a different one, but he he, he was part of that group and he was chatting with the Napster co-founder, Sean Fanning, he was in a a completely different tech world and this was just at 18 years old, Um, but he enrolled at San Jose State University, um, but was also working as a security tester um, for Ernst & Young. And in 1997, found himself sitting across a desk um, from Acton um, who was a Yahoo employee, and he was the number 44 employee of Yahoo. And I you think... could tell, and, and there's a quote that says, you could tell he was a little bit different, recalls Acton, about Yan Coom. He was a very non, a no-nonsense kind of guy. What are your policies here? What are you doing? A very straight typing shooter guy. And um, that he wasn't really the touchy-feely type of character. He was a, let's cut to the chase every single moment. And um, maybe that's a bit from his background, his childhood, but you could just see that. Um, he was always just driven to just get the job done. Six months later, Coom interviewed at Yahoo and got a job as an infrastructure engineer. He was still at San Jose State University. So this is impressive in itself. Um, but then within two weeks of the job, um, one of the servers broke down at Yahoo and the co-founder, just imagine this, the co-founder of Yahoo calls him up uh, and says, we need your help. And Yang Coom's response was, I'm in class. Um, what's going on? What do you need? And he goes, get your ass into the office right now. We need your help. So Coombe hated school anyway and uh, and, and dropped out. Um, carried on going at Yahoo. Um, unfortunately, his mother died um, in the year 2000 and suddenly he was alone, right? After his father had unfortunately passed away in 1997. And this is where Acton really was that sort of supporting figure for him and became quite close friends. Over the next nine years, they worked together and went through Yahoo's ups and downs. Um, they invested in the dot-com boomer, lost a lot of money in the 2000 bust. And and for all of his distaste of advertising, now he was deep back into it. And that was a big core part of Yahoo's new new product. There's a quote here that says, dealing with ads is depressing. You don't make anyone's life better by making the adverts work any better. So he was emotionally distrained Uh, It drained and he was just exhausted from what he was trying to do with his life. And eventually in 2007, um, both Coombe and Acton, um, his best friend, left Yahoo and just took a year off to decompress and just go for a bit of traveling.
1: What I find amazing about that is that, you know, he was he wasn't working with Acton when he met Acton. Um, You know, they got they got on. They got on well. Um, So, yeah, Brian Acton, Yahoo employee. And all of a sudden that relationship just blossomed into them. Co-founding and co-owning one of the biggest instant messaging services in the world, and what I was like, you can tell they were they were like super close friends. Apparently, they used to play like ultimate frisbee together and and stuff like that. So even from an outside yeah, that's a cool of game,
0: I don't know if you've ever played ultimate frisbee. It's a good it's good fun. Have you played it, Mitz?
1: I, I played it. I played it at uni a couple of times, and I wasn't I wasn't I wasn't that good. i I'm, I could I can run and I can catch, but throwing the frisbee was pretty difficult.
0: <laughs> Requires hand eye coordination. <laughs> it's okay. Um, so. Moving swiftly on. So he, um, obviously he took the year out. Um, they actually both of them applied to Facebook and then they quote, um, we're now part of the reject club, um, act and Save, cause they both um, were rejected. They are eating into their savings and then fast forward to January, 2009, whom buys an iPhone and realizes that the, the seven month old at the time app store was just the beginning of a huge launch of new apps and services that are being provided. They visit the home of Alex Fishman, a Russian friend who would invite the local Russian community um, to his place in West San Jose for weekly pizza and movie nights. You know, Up to 40 people showed up at a time, and, and the two of them stood for hours talking about Hume's idea for an app um, at their counter. And specifically, they, they, you know, his thinking was, it would be really cool to have statuses next to the individual names of the people. Right? This was their original idea.
1: That's quite I think that's that's very interesting. I know you're gonna go on to a little bit more, but so his initial idea was to have statuses, right? As in, yeah, like you said, so people know what you're doing. And it's quite interesting that WhatsApp as it is now still have that status functionality that you can still put, I am, you know, I'm sleeping, I'm at the gym. Yep. But I'm not actually too sure the amount of people that actually use that exactly.
2: functionality. Yeah. I, I don't recall using it myself. And even the the broadcasting feature, have you ever used the broadcasting feature? Apart from, you know, your parents or, or someone, you know, it's like you can broadcast the same message to the, the, the list of uh, contacts. I mean, the whole contact list that you right. have on your phone uh, who use WhatsApp. And the only broadcast messages I got was from uncles, aunties, parents, you know, who were just about <laughs> learning to, to like figure out how WhatsApp works and just spamming you with all this stuff. Um, but I, I think that there's a there's an additional point um, that, you know, you touched upon um, where kum and uh actin are both you know they're both good friends for, from a very early stage and um i think when you lose two parents in a very short period of time your your mindset isn't gonna be great you know you need someone yep. to you, you need people around you and and you know i i think it, sort of Acton took that role and he stepped forward as that person who you know uh, jan jan can can uh uh you know go to and and he feels felt comfortable you know speaking out his emotions to yep.
1: yeah yeah no. I think I, can, I think I completely agree with that as well that it's it's interesting that he had that that father figure um that thing that the father figure that he could kind of speak to, but also I think going back to a rabbit's boat in the in the beginning, like up until now he he's had so many kind of reasons or excuses to be like, you know what, like it's just negative after negative like. That, like this is just not something that's ever going to work out for me. But it was he just kept he kept persevering through and through. Right. Hot water, parents passing away. Um, even when he was at Yahoo, you know, he, even if from a job job's perspective, he hated what he was doing. D- doesn't like adverts. He was basically he was basically working in marketing at that point in time for their new project that Ravi mentioned. Like everything that he did, going up. It was just constantly like not what he wanted to do or not nothing was going right, it felt but like. You're
0: raising a really good point there, Mitch, right? Because it actually it's highlighting, even though he was unhappy with the situation, he 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 clearly was doing it for a purpose, right? He was working at that job because he knew that there was something that he wanted to get to in the future, uh, you know, at a later on point. And that brings us to where WhatsApp really started, right? So he had this idea back at the counter at, at um, Fishman's home. And they talk about, it would be cool to have these statuses. Maybe your battery is low or you're at the gym or whatever. Um, and they liked the idea, but they needed a developer, right? So that introduces Igor Solomenevkov. And he was a developer from Russia and they found him on rentacoder.com. All places, they just found him on rentacoder.com, right? They chose the name WhatsApp because it sounded like "What's up." That's literally the reason they picked this name. And a week later on, um, his birthday, February 24th, Ah, uh, 2009. They incorporated WhatsApp Inc. in California.
1: He's, he sounds like he's a very thorough, thorough individual. Like he knew the name. He incorporated it before. I'm pretty sure, from what I know as well, that he incorporated the name even before the app had even been written. So he basically incorporated the name and was all right. This is going to be. This is going to be my. This is going to be my application. This is what's going to do everything's ready now all I need to do is, is actually make the, make the application.
2: How, how long did it take us to, to find a name for this podcast? I think well, it was <laughs> a span of like six months right like from September to like March where we were like we should use this maybe this maybe this and then it was a very it's a yeah. beautiful moment It was a beautiful yeah. moment. <laughs>
0: but anyhow they incorporated WhatsApping and Coombe as you can probably tell from the rest of his career spent hours and hours weeks upon weeks on trying to um, support um, Igor with the development and trying to sort of back end the code, the code to sync with phone numbers um, and then work out all the sort of international dialing prefixes, right? So you have to imagine you're trying to connect someone in the UK with the US and there's different dialing codes. How do you try and make sure that the communication can work properly? Um, and they only installed it on a number of different devices at the beginning. They had a few numbers in their address books and they are just trying to make sure that it worked. And over time, it started to just eat on them. You know, they talk about um, month after month, and they were playing ultimate frisbee. Kuhn eventually just started to sort of slowly give up, and he said, "You know, admitting to Acton saying maybe I should just give this up," uh, and then Acton immediately, you know, remarked and said, "You'd be an idiot to quit now. Give it a few more months." Now, what was interesting in June of 2009 saw the arrival of push notifications from Apple, right? And this allows developers to ping users when they weren't using the app. And this was a game changer. Mm-hmm. No, Jan updated WhatsApp, so each time you change your status, can't talk, I'm at the gym, or I woke up late, I'm on the way, it would ping everyone in your network. Now, that was a really, really interesting and pivotal moment, Rishi. Yep.
2: Yeah, no, I, I think that's... Uh the point i wanted to add to that without without push notifications you don't have a mes- messaging system right it's it's like i could ping you rav or, or mits but whether you go into that app and you actually look at you know i've that i've, I've sent you a message it, it's a, it's a pretty useless app so i think push notifications was a, a big kind of um, boost and and uh, it, it gives him the the ability to you know kind of get that motivation back to build this whatsapp product
0: and, yeah, and thank and, God for the mute function because I have to mute you guys every uh, every week or so, man. Well, I,
1: I have to do that because of the time difference. <laughs> at two o'clock in the morning, I'm getting you guys about <laughs> the podcast. But what what I love about this is that it's kind of he inadvertently started creating this messaging service because yep. someone would kind of say, "Oh, I can't talk about the gym," but then you you'd want to re- you'd, you'd want to reply to that, so then you'd kind of send out another. Ping notification to be like, oh, you know, how it like, oh, it doesn't doesn't matter, we'll speak later type thing. And all of a sudden, this, this messaging service was was being created, and and you could just you could use it worldwide. So you instantly be able to reach yeah. someone worldwide was probably just like an app, like you said, an absolute game changer for for Coom, Acton, and WhatsApp in general.
0: And I and I recall this time. I remember having our phones and thinking about, I wish there was a way to message, you know, internationally, and your friends. And the the systems in place were never good, and WhatsApp started to become uh, more and more popular. And it's important to call out the context of the time, right? So the only other really free texting service at the time was BlackBerry's BBM. And that only worked on BlackBerry's. There was Google's G-Talk, uh, you know, and Skype, but WhatsApp was the unique in the sense that the login was your own phone number, right? So as soon as Coom updated the app, WhatsApp 2.0 came out with a messaging component, the active users swelled out to 250,000 people um, and he went and grabbed Acton, who was still, up at the time, unemployed, and said, I think you need to come and uh, get on board on this and really sort of take this up to life.
2: Yeah, this this works because uh, users who want to communicate to their family and friends can, you know, um, reach out to their network of people and, and say, hey, there's this great app out there. Um, it's free. Join it, and we can start to communicate through this, through mm-hmm. this, through this application. So I think one of the things we, we found was that WhatsApp didn't, have any marketing budget? You know, everything was uh, where where every every person who um, obtained WhatsApp was through word of mouth.
1: And and it's completely a stark difference to what we saw with with Elon Elon Musk because he had that referral thing, didn't he? He said uh, if you join PayPal, we'll give you twenty pound. If you refer a friend, you get another twenty or twenty dollars. Sorry. And that way, they spent a whole hell of a lot of money on customer acquisition, but they got there where they needed to be. Whereas Coom, I guess you know, like. Through, through um, no, no fault of his own, he had a very simple upbringing because he he just couldn't have anything other than you know the very the simple things in life. And he, I feel like he's kind of brought that onto WhatsApp, where he's a, a pure messaging service. That's all it does. There's no advertisements. Um, if you've seen our Instagrams, there's that very famous note that he keeps uh, on his desk. No games. No sorry, no ads. No games. No gimmicks. So that, that which is primarily what acting gave to him, and that's exactly what WhatsApp does. Um, it's just a pure and simple messaging system that. and and that's his job and
2: that's his function and that's what it does yeah he's a a no frills kind of guy and I think uh, the the reason why they wanted to build WhatsApp so his initial vision was one you know I want to learn iPhone development because there's so many people adopting smartphones um, at that time and and two he wants to build cool software that was the two kind of project visions he had with WhatsApp and he took it on and and, and sort of um, built WhatsApp from there Whatsapp started off in a garage, right? So he was building the, the basic application, you know, in his garage. So realizing, as I mentioned, smartphones are becoming more and more available to all types of um, uh, people, all types of incomes across the world. Um, and um, they started with the most basic, you know, text form. So it's like what we had before, I could text mitz, I could text Uraf. Um, So one to one simple texting options. And then as they started to update WhatsApp, we found more and more features being added to this platform. Now, one of the things I, I find sort of interesting is when you speak to someone and they say, hey, you know, WhatsApp's really innovated quite well. The other person is going to look at you and think, what, they, they just create a, a messaging application. There's nothing more to it. But when you actually look into the, the small features that we start to see as WhatsApp progresses in its journey. So share your location. Have you ever used that? You know, when your mom, your your family, someone in your family, your friends, it's like, hey, where are you at? You shared your location. There, there's a point in time when they added that 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 sort of feature onto yep. that. Um, other things like GIFs, you know, we, we started to see short video, sorry, short voice messages, and then like the the addition of gifts um, becoming more interactive with its uh, with its users, um, and then I think we started to to see them uh, compare themselves, well, bring in features which are used in other platforms which are doing really well. So, do you do you ever recall Viber or Tango?
1: I recall Viber. I remember Viber was like, a. I think they made, well, what they wanted was like an international calling or international messaging, messaging system from what I remember.
2: Exactly. So you would call your relatives in India maybe and uh, and they'd connect through Viber. So, so WhatsApp have kind of taken a step back. At this point when Viber was out, they didn't have the calling functionality. But what happened is, you know, they're looking at the market, they're seeing where the competitors are, you know, getting a competitive advantage on them. The great thing with WhatsApp is they already have the users. They have me, you, Raf, you know, on this platform. So what do they do? They start to implement these small but really effective features. And you know, to, to, to today, you know, we, we start, you know, in this pandemic, we've been using House Party. But did you know in WhatsApp you can do group video calling now too? So you don't notice these small features, but this is how they progressed as a as a as a product. And I think it's pretty impressive. Um, from from where they started as a simple text, a simple one to one texting function, to what it is today as a as a group video calling, uh, it's, it's a whole communication tool, you know.
0: And what what's fascinating now is that there are over sixty five billion messages, sixty five billion messages sent per day wow. um, across on WhatsApp. That is that is a ridiculously big number.
1: But but see, this is where i also think that he he so he built this company we haven't even touched on zuckerberg and facebook at the moment exactly um and so this is probably the reason why or obviously at that point in time it might not have been it might not have been that number but this is, must have been the reason why you know giants of the world such as facebook had that had that interest in whatsapp just purely based on their customer numbers and the the data that must go through go through whatsapp
2: that's right and and there were quite a few people who were Trying to reach out to WhatsApp. Do you know the story about? Um, they they simply didn't advertise their their headquarters or contact information. They left. Mm-hmm. They, they were pretty much incognito. They they didn't want people to know who they are or, or like where they're based and who's working for them. And you know, there was no marketing effort there at all. And um, I think that helped them focus on on building the the product um, solely and and trying to push the the right features out there. So
1: so if we if we bring it forward. I apparently Zuckerberg gave Coom a call. Uh so this was two years before the actual sale and was mm. like, you know, I'm interested. Let let's speak. And apparently Coom didn't succumb to Zuckerberg's charm and was like, you know what? Not at the moment. Let's just leave it. Um But two years later, uh Zuckerberg got back in contact with Coom and was like, Right, let let's let's have a let's have a talk. So apparently they started going on hikes together and you know you know, they they basically kept in in contact over those two years, and you know got a little bit more uh, friendly. Um, and I'm then... very
0: Californian of them to go on lovely hikes, <laughs> <heights for the laughs> summer weather, sharing their, 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 their pastimes. But go on, yeah. sorry, Riz. no,
1: yeah, no, exactly. You know, um, you might as well make use of the environment that you're in, and um, and so Zuckerberg then um, invited Coom home to his house, and was like, you know, I, you know, I want to purchase the company, and again was like oh, really, I'm really not too sure of, uh, of, of, of about this and then whether it was uh, fate or not on Valentine's Day of that said February of 2014 um, they Kuhn and Zuckerberg signed the papers to sell whatsapp to Facebook for 19 billion US dollars crazy and that, yeah if you go back to we spoke about that he was in the queue for the for, uh, for the food stamps uh, at the welfare center. And they yep. went back. So I think this is just shows how humble and simple Coom is they went back to that same spot and signed the papers exactly where he used to queue up to get food stamps when he was a child.
2: Mitz I think we had we had a very similar discussion a couple of a couple of weeks ago, it was on the on, on a similar point to this where sometimes you have to step back and appreciate your success, but also where you came from. And I think this, this is a great example of, of exactly that. And, I'm, and this I'm, must yeah. been,
0: Yes, this must have been such a symbolic moment for him, right? If you think about all the hardship, he's worked so hard to get to this position. And, you know, he's even resisted selling. But there was almost, I guess, an element of just letting go and accepting I really have done and achieved a huge achievement here. Let me remind myself where I started. Um, and it's just inspirational to his credit and considering that there was revenue of 15 million in 2014 with a net loss it, exactly.
2: that, it's, it's madness
1: I, I i think it's i think yeah i completely agree is I, yeah like you said we had that conversation where sometimes you obviously this was a massive win but sometimes you just need to we're always striving for the next thing we're always you know well a lot of people are never satisfied with what they've got they're always like oh but i can do better this is the next stage this is the next stage and it's so easy to just to go past all the wins that you've had throughout that journey. So it's so I think it's very important to, to take a step back and be like, you know what? I've actually done very well at this point in time. I'm not saying stop the the dreams and the and you know stop wanting to achieve higher, but always take a step back and just appreciate and celebrate the wins in life to just stop you getting on that rat race and just and, uh, and yeah, just start to enjoy the, the small wins that you get, and then slowly but surely you'll uh, like like Coom did, just right to the top. And always, always, uh, it's what, it is about where you're going, but it's more importantly about where you came from.
2: One of the, the biggest um, issues he had with selling um, WhatsApp to Facebook was, what's? Oh, well, Facebook are going to start using this application with its, with its other applications and, you know, capturing the data from what people are texting each other and start to retarget adver- advertisements to, to specific uh, people. Now, I know we did a test two days ago. We said, let's all... Get on a group chat. Let's talk about one topic. So I talked about Dell computers. Um, Rav said he likes HP computers. And uh, Mitsu you <laughs> said you like Dell computers. Have any of you had any targeted ads on Facebook or Instagram since? Uh,
1: I have not. No, I randomly yeah, I got say I say to... I have, but maybe... Uh, what about you, Richie? I,
2: I haven't. I haven't. So I, I think even to this day, you know, he's held up the values that he has you know when starting this company and even if he sold it you know he's kind of made a clear deal with facebook to say hey i really want you to respect this one value that i have uh, brought to the table here
0: it's important and to this day that encryption and security of messages in in within whatsapp is still contained but that obviously cannot prove that it will be for you know for the foreseeable future but as of now mm-hmm. um, messages in whatsapp are fully encrypted and um you know credit to to yan kim for that Something that's very interesting about him, he, he, we we look through online media, and again, he's a very private individual. Even his Instagram, um, it's private. Not a lot of people on there. And there's an email that just says, um, "Looking for old uh, Porsche cars, um, collecting." And and that's really the the element of this guy is that he, he he took time away from WhatsApp. He left WhatsApp after the you know some time after the was completion, really to focus on his own sort of personal endeavors. Um, and and reflect. But if we could leave on one quote that Jan Kuhn has just, you know, I think that really struck all three of us was he said, a lot of times people start out with a lot of good ideas, but then they don't execute. They lose the purity of the vision and you end up running around in circles. And if we look at all the things that he's done, he's he's just a straight shooter executed on this vision of his and he focused so much on that, kept things simple, and that sort of no excuse mentality and approach, resulting in the sale. Um, I mean, it's a truly inspirational sort of
1: journey to, to highlight. Yeah, I think I think that um, I think is so yes, yeah, it's so prominent of the whole. I think a lot of people have visions, they just don't execute. So um, I think we carry on.
2: Agreed. And uh, I think he he's previously mentioned, you know, he doesn't consider himself um an entrepreneur as such uh, he doesn't like being called an entrepreneur you know he he just wants to build a great product and he's you know he's done that
0: so guys we hope you enjoyed this podcast on our guy yan kum this has been the true pursuit podcast with your three guys ravi rishi and mitz signing out